All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Beer Got Me Here podcast. Joined again with Andy and Garrett. And this is a little bit of a, a special episode tonight because normally we focus on craft beer stuff. And oftentimes, I think there was about a month we went through uh, we, we went through some authors. We had some authors come on, and this is a bit of a hybrid of the two. We have somebody who operates a brewery out in North Carolina, a place called Tarbro Brewing, Tarbra. or if you're native, Tarbra, <laughs> as we've been told. But she's also an author. Her name is Inez Ribostello, and she has written a book that documents her time before and after the events of 9-11. And Inez, if you would be so kind to tell us what the book is called and what the story is all about. Oh, yeah. Okay. Life After Windows, uh, which is a memoir that will be released uh, tomorrow on September 11th. And this well, focuses I on September 11th, because from what I understand, you had worked at a restaurant atop of one of the towers. Yes. I worked at Windows on the World from 1998 until... September 11th, 2001, um, and was uh, at Windows on the World, which at the time was uh, the largest grossing restaurant in North America. Wow. Uh, quite an extensive wine cellar. We did about $7 million in liquor and beer sales a year and $5 million in wine sales a year. Wow. Holy cow. What, um, Inez, what floor was that on and which which tower? So we were in one... Uh, one uh, World Trade Center, which was the yeah. North Tower, and the restaurant or the two restaurants in the bar were on the 107th floor, but we actually occupied both the 106th and the 107th floor. So wow. mostly all, all the offices were on the 106th, along with some banquet rooms. Mm -hmm. uh, and then on the 107th, it was all kitchen, restaurant, cellar, and, um, and more banquet space. Holy cow, 106 and 107. And what was, what was, the, I should probably know this, but what was the actual floor count for the North Tower? How many floors? Um, so, well, the 107th floor yeah. was the top floor for, you know, anything commercial. Gotcha. But there were three floors above it that were, mm -hmm. you know, where there was maintenance happening. Yeah. But there was no, you know, no one went up there that wasn't, someone like working on the towers i guess the big question i think the three of us are wanting to know and and um perhaps our listeners as well is well where were you on september 11 2001 you obviously was it was it too early to start working for you did you have the day off what, what's the story so i because i was um the beverage director and oversaw ordering my normal day was uh started at eight in the morning um oh. however my sister was married on september 8th and i had flown home to north carolina to be the maid of honor in her wedding and um i am from a blended family and so if i have some time with my dad i would always have to take a little extra time to go see my mother and so the sunday after my sister's wedding i went off with my mom for a couple of days so I was due to fly back into JFK on Wednesday, September 12th. Oh my goodness. Wow. Wow. <laughs> do you ever, um, do you still find it surreal? Those dates are almost unbelievable. Yeah, I do. 
I try not to think about, mm-hmm. you know, the chance that I just try not to think about it actually. <laughs> um, yeah. But yes, I do know that it, it um, was nothing short of miraculous that I had extended my, um, my time with my, my family. Yeah. It's incredible. Can you tell us what, what inspired you? We're coming up on the 20th anniversary. Um, we're recording this on the 10th. So tomorrow is September 11th, the 20th anniversary. Can you tell us why, what inspired you to write this actual book and, and what, what does the book actually, um, what does it focus on? Yeah. So I've been journaling my entire life. You know, when I moved up to New York after college, it was no different. You know, I had at least a 25 minute ride on the subway and I would write down, you know, at the time when I first moved to New York, I I enrolled in culinary school. Mm -hmm. And so I was just writing about whatever we had cooked that day, just life in New York for someone like me who was not, was not born in a city and uh, not born in the North, but living, living this life where everything was new. Eventually, you know, after school, when I got the job as an assistant cellar master at Windows on the World, and then eventually moved up through the ranks to beverage manager and eventually beverage director, I was writing in my journal about having landed my dream job and Mm -hmm. living my best life. I did not journal the day of September 11th, but I did continue to journal days and and years after. Mm -hmm. Um, And those journals I labeled LAW for life after windows. Um, (laughs) So, you know, not that I knew it then, but I I named the book 20 years ago and have been continuing the writing process because it is for me therapeutic, but also was important for me to document these times in my life that I, that I never want to forget. And so a couple years ago, I was at a, a women's leadership conference in um, California, and I was with a woman who'd written a book. And I, I mentioned to her that I, I had all these words, all these pages written, and was just too afraid to put it out there for a lot of reasons. The biggest one is I don't want to trivialize something that was such a, a monumental loss for for not just our country, but for our world. And of course, my story is very personal and and there's um, a lot of vulnerability to it. But this woman encouraged me, she said, you know, in a couple of years, the 20th anniversary is coming out. And she's like, there's no time that that could be more um, important is the right word, but it's a big moment and you should be there for it. Just that conversation kind of spurred me to really get serious with my writing and irony or um, coincidence, I don't know, but I, this, the book goes all the way up to, you know, 2021. And I think maybe it's, you know, a lot of it didn't go out there earlier because I wasn't finished. There's some stuff that I was still learning. And so um, last September 11th, I put it out on my Instagram feed, I'm going to, I put out a few pages, pictures of the words and said, I'm going to publish this book for the 20th anniversary. And you know, once you put it out there on social media, you, you better do it. Or uh, <laughs> you have a lot of, you have a lot of people who, who know that you didn't. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I kind of uh, like doing that 
when you, when it's out there, you, you got no choice. That's right. You got to, <laughs> you got to do it. That is for sure. I mean, it, it made me do, I mean, it has been the driver this whole year, you know, I, I put mm-hmm. it out there. And so by golly, <laughs> I, I better do it. And finally sent all these pages, um, to an editor in mm-hmm. April and, uh, she responded immediately and she's like, you know, I love it. I can organize it for you, which, because it was just not organized while, while the beginning of the book is the time leading up to September 11th. And then the spine is actually that day. The rest of it is these past 20 years of, of healing what I've learned over time. And because genuinely I, I love laughter as much as I love anything. I, you know, talk about the things that brought me laughter after September 11th, where I didn't know if I would laugh again. Is it correct to say that? So the the book itself is a collection of these journals. Do you veer off a little bit or, or it really is just sort of chapter based from journal to journal? Is that kind of how it's broken down? A little bit. I'm, I'm going to tell you, and I, I've been saying this to a couple of people. If you, if you, if you have ADD or ADHD, you're going to love this book. Love it. Because, yes. Uh, love it. <laughs> it, it. It's all over the place. Yet yeah, the journaling is, is more of a storytelling. Cool. And then, and then there are essays like tied mm. in. So it's, it's kind of wild, actually. <laughs> I'm not sure how to like put it into one box. In my, in my opinion, anyways, is that having a text like this, something that's authentic and in a journal style, it's so deeply authentic that it really grabs the reader and brings it in. Like thinking of other texts that are like, like fiction is great. Like even nonfiction is good, but just that journal style is something that I, like I'm thinking, I'm thinking back to like to the diary of Anne Frank, like that there's probably no book that has moved me just because of how real it is. And it, it's just the epitome of authenticity. So I'm, I'm wanting to read the book. I, I feel, I feel bad that I haven't read it. Obviously it's, it's not available yet, but. Well, it makes me happy that it sounds like something that you would want to read. So you said that the initial part of the book is our journals leading up to September 11th. Then there's a pause. So, and then you go into the journals life, life after windows. Is that, that's right. So you have a little bit of a portion before, and then the, the lion's share is the precedement, the, the, the after, the after. And and the, the September 11th, the day of September 11th chapter is, is almost, I, I call it bullet, bullet points, but it's, it's basically just sharp sentences of this, the way I remember feeling that day which was, you know, confusion and, and shock and, and hopelessness. And, and so that chapter is its own, well, I don't know what you would call that style of writing for, for that particular chapter. It, it's, um, it's just a, a hard stop kind of in the middle of the book. That's For me, it was exactly how I remember that day, which was just kind of like sharp thoughts and sharp and sporadic. And then, yeah, after that is, you know, probably a combination of journaling and essays, stories. Coming from three guys in Canada, um, a little bit of a ways away, like um, Garrett and I grew up sort of um, like on the border of New York State and Ontario, kind of close to like Buffalo and and, uh, Niagara Falls. 
So like maybe like an eight hour drive and then Nick, you're closer to our nation's capital, Ottawa. So you're like maybe a 10 hour drive from New York, probably. Yeah. Um, be fair. Yeah. It, it obviously, like you mentioned, obviously it, it didn't, it wasn't just a shock to New Yorkers. It was a shock to the United States as well as North America, as well as the entire world. But, but more so for someone in your shoes, can you, can you tell us a little bit about what it meant to be so connected to this? Everybody thinks that they're connected to it if they're old enough. It's weird to think that it was 20 years ago. I mean, everyone has that moment of where were you and everyone can tell you that interesting little story, but your story is oh so more salient and pertinent. Um, can you tell not even being a New Yorker, but someone who was so was was connected to one of the actual buildings. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I was, I fell head over heels in love with New York from the minute <laughs> I moved up there. And um, I think part of that love was my love of this job, you know, and, and Windows was an unbelievably special place. I mean, over 500 employees, over 60 different nationalities. <laughs> Imagine all religions and races and socioeconomic backgrounds. And for me, and I say this, it was, it was a picture of what I believe heaven looks like. Everybody, we were all friends. And, and for the most part, everyone who worked there was in love with working there. I mean, you went up to the top of the building in the morning or at night and you were watching clouds beneath you and, and <laughs> planes fly beneath you. And, you know, the customers who came up there were so happy to be there. And it was always people celebrating special occasions. And, you know, it was just a, it was, it was just this magical place. There, there were a lot of things lost that day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, firstly, the people. Um, which for us, you know, it was our family, you know, I, I, to this day, the people I work with are people I care deeply about, you know, from having pictures of their children on my refrigerator to, I, I believe that when you work with people, they become, they become like your family, like a, a, a second family. And so to lose people like that in that way where, and I, I've said it before, it's like if you went to school one day and then you happen to be absent the next day for whatever reason, either you're mm-hmm. sick or, and you lose every single person at that school. Um, and, and granted, there were, you know, 400, over 400 of us who, who were survivors because we were not there, but mm-hmm. to lose um, the people, and this is a very, very back seat, but you can't absorb yourself in your work because your work is gone too. It's mm-hmm. not like, oh, I can go and like throw myself into this job mm-hmm. because the job was gone. And mm-hmm. then looking up at the sky every day and seeing the void of these two towers that have been there from the get-go, for me at least. And I, I'm sure I can speak for others, maybe, that um, all that loss, all that tangible loss, 
lost a lot of things that were intangible, like my faith. I, I lost my faith in something higher. I, I lost my faith in people. I kind of lost the ability to be in community with others. I was so angry. And I, and then I, I lost the laughter and became a very different person than I was before 9-11. Not someone that I that I knew. I, I just didn't know this person that um, I had become. And, you know, part of this book is I'll, I'll never heal it from 9-11, but I'm able to find laughter now and I'm able to be in community and, and I'm, you know, my while not all my faith is restored, I've restored a lot of my faith in mm-hmm. people and the universe. And yeah, that's trying to find that healing and, and what that looks like is, is you know, what, what I'm hoping that will be the most special about this book. Well, is there something like particular, like you're saying, you know, on a, sort of a path to healing and, and things like that? Was there one thing that sort of was, um, you know, stood up? or stood out anyways that you use maybe often to sort of get to back to where you are now? Absolutely. The, the biggest <laughs> is that um, on September 12th, 2004, I gave birth to a baby girl. Mm-hmm. And that was just, you know, a big catapult into a new life of grace and forgiveness and, and hope. That's awesome. Like it's, I can, completely relate. So I got a 10 month old and like it changes you in, in ways you don't even know. So I can definitely see that being uh, an awesome thing for you. Yeah. And then uh, three years after that, I had a son and I just, th- those two are the, they're the proudest, they're the proudest uh, or they're, they're the best gifts I could ever be given. The months after um, September 11th and 2001, did you, did you return to New York? Did you go back? Did you decide there wasn't much to return to. Did you decide to, to stay in North Carolina? Yeah, no. So, so my husband, who, well, he is now my husband. At the time, he was my boyfriend. He, <laughs> yeah. he also worked at Windows on the World. Mm. And he wasn't due in until noon that day. So <laughs> that's why he wasn't there. I was adamant that we go back to New York and find jobs and like just persevere everything's going to be fine we've got to do this and it was typical of me at the time to think that I could just work through it by myself with no help 20 years later I I understand the value of therapy especially good therapy and why we should have done that right then and there but we were young and and arrogant and we both took jobs I took a job opening a new restaurant in Times Square um and Stephen my husband took a job at a wine store and here I am in another really big management position and I can you know barely focus barely get out of bed barely speak and it was just about four months of complete disaster and I got through it, but I, I was, if I wasn't at work, I was crying. And mm-hmm. um, we had been given the opportunity to go to France in summer, fall of 2002 to work harvest. That was kind of our, we were going to get out of New York and just have a hiatus and then come back. 
but my family in North Carolina was just dying for me to get home. And mm-hmm. they said, why don't you come and spend the summer in North Carolina Yeah, and then go to France and then you can go back to New York. And my, my husband, who was my fiance, then said, you know, what a luxury that your family would let us come and just live with them mm-hmm. and, and take some time off. He's like, let's do it. We came home that summer to my hometown, Tarboro. A woman who owned a little luncheonette called my dad's house and asked to speak to me and said, I heard you and your husband have restaurant experience. I want to sell mine. Would y'all think about buying it? And I said, uh, absolutely not. We're not, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not staying in Tarboro. We're going back to New York. And <laughs> we, don't, we don't have any money anyway. Right. And um, my dad overheard the conversation and went and partnered with a, another gentleman and they bought the restaurant. <laughs> Your dad was pretty <laughs> eager to have you stay put. Eh? Yeah, thanks, dad. Yeah. <laughs> he was about to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, um, yeah, he, uh, he, they closed on it the day we came back from France in October. And so, the restaurant will turn 19 in, um, in October. Oh, amazing. So you still have, you still have it. Yes, we do. We do. Amazing. Cool. Well, obviously we want to talk about, about the brewery as well. Um, but, but I guess right before that, it's so, so four, four months after you stayed in New York, but after that you haven't been a, a, a New Yorker in any sense since. No, but um, there, there's a little plot twist in that after Stephen and I bought on the square with my dad and started running it, I was offered a, a position in Atlantic City, New Jersey, opening okay. up first casino. So I actually left and, and lived in Atlantic City for about 15 months mm. um, in 2003 and 2004. Okay, not too far from the city. Yeah. yeah, but mm. but vastly different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've never I've never been to Atlantic City, but I've heard yeah. some things. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. So you've been so since that time. So since I guess two thousand four, you've been back in North yeah. Carolina. Correct. Yeah. Cool. And you and had the restaurant, which what was the name of that one? The that your father purchased. So the name of the restaurant is On the Square. On the Square. Um, yeah, three words. And it's um, a restaurant and a wine shop. Restaurant and a wine shop. What's the okay. significance of On the Square? Like, is it like a town square? Yes, uh, exactly. Okay. okay. <laughs> Times Square? Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did your homework, Nick. <laughs> you know, I just, yeah. you know, sometimes I'm just really good at guessing. Yeah. And yeah, I wing it all the time. That's, yeah. That's just how it's I work. pretty well life. for you sometimes. Yeah, that worked oh, yeah. out. So you had on the square, and now you're also a proprietor of a brewery. Yeah. So we, um, in 2007, we bought a 10,000 square foot old um, car dealership about two blocks from the restaurant because everybody told us that we'd outgrown the space where we were. But, and then in 2008, the economy tanked and and the bottom fell out. Mm -hmm. Nobody Mm -hmm. wanted to buy a restaurant period, much less one in small rural Eastern North Carolina. 
And we were just stuck paying this mortgage on this huge building that, while beautiful, was super costly in terms of fixing up. Mm-hmm. And we were watching the brew scene in eastern North Carolina, beginning with Duck Rabbit, which is about 20 minutes from us, um, and then Mother Earth, which was opening. And so, wow, what a brewery could do for a small town in terms of, you know, attracting more people and just being a great community space. A guy that I've known my entire life, a childhood friend, he had moved up to Philadelphia for boarding school mm-hmm. when we were when we were in high school and, and he'd stayed and, and now here he was as the director of quality assurance for Yard in right. Philadelphia. Okay. And so I said, you know, Franklin, he was home for Christmas. I said, look at this building. Wouldn't it make the perfect brewery? And he said, it really would. And, you know, he, he fell in love with the space too. And I said, well, we can't do it without you. I mean, I, I can drink it, but I can't make it. <laughs> and, uh, it's a problem that we have too, yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people have it. <laughs> yeah, most. Maybe 99%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, said yeah you know if you raise the money and and get a business plan going and get investment I'll come home and do it and um so I was like yeah let's let's do that and so wrote a business plan um drummed up investment from New York to Atlanta cool took me about two years almost to raise all the capital Mm -hmm. um I also applied for a grant through the state of North Carolina that was a, a $200,000 grant based on job creation, building improvements, and double the investment. Cool. And um, we're able to, to raise the money to start. We were able to open the production part in February of 16. And at that time, I had run out of all the capital we had. <laughs> also, you know, important side note, from when I started writing this business plan in 2013, the amount of breweries in North Carolina had tripled by the time mm. we started making beer. And yeah, all right. my, whole, my whole business model was based on wholesale. Mm. Now all of a sudden, it's like the distributors didn't even want to pick up another local brewery. Yeah. It became, you know, I, I knew that we had to open up a tap room started raising more capital and was able to open up the tap room in June of 2016. So, so now we always have two anniversaries every year. We, we celebrate one birthday in February and one birthday in June. Um, it's good. Pretty awesome. I'll take two yeah. birthdays. Yeah, it's day. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, you know, when I realized early on, we needed different ways to generate revenue. We opened up a satellite brewery in a neighboring town about 30 minutes away well not even 30 minutes away called tbc west tacos and tap room and so that's a little three barrel system where we do one-offs and and mostly draft only and then we serve tacos and nachos and chips and then in tarboro the mothership is what i call tarboro uh we have a 20 barrel system oh wow okay Wow, Inez, you're so industrious. Yeah, really. Oh. Yeah. Who had the brewing experience previously? Yeah, holy, because, holy cow. Because he just kind of jumped in on it. So did you hire somebody <laughs> that was uh, like a professional brewer? Or did you just kind of wing it? Just kind of figured it out? 
Franklin. Franklin is our partner. Oh, okay. And so he, he moved home from Philadelphia once right. we established. And he is our, our partner, co-owner, head brewer, super talented guy. This, I think this is the sixth year uh, in a row he's been asked to be a judge at the GABF. Really, really great. Great person and great brewer. We're pretty fortunate that we had somebody with so much experience and talent. He helped draw the floor plans, order all the equipment. He's super important uh, to this whole business plan. Amazing. Does he, is he with you hundred percent or does he do, does he have his own stuff as well? Or you guys are, he mans yeah. the, the ship for, for your two breweries. Yeah. He mans the ship for the two breweries. Yeah. So he, he's moved back to Tarboro and been here and all the recipes are his. And, you know, we get to, he, he's very kind and that he always asks, you know, what kind of beer do I want to drink? And, and he'll, um, if, if he wants to do it too, then he'll make it. If he doesn't, he'll tell me another time. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Very cool. Well, I was I gonna say actually, yeah, sorry, go, go ahead, go ahead. But just looking at some of your experience, it seems like you have a lot of experience in in the wine industry. Um, so I was just kind of curious how that play maybe maybe played or or if it does or doesn't plays into the brewery and like maybe styles and, and influences. Does that does that have a part? And if it does, maybe you can tell us about that. Yeah, I I think it does absolutely. Um, so just a funny story when I was working in wine, I went to Santa, oh gosh, um, Santa Inez, uh, to visit a a winery called Brewer Clifton. And the two guys at the time, this is in 98 or 99, Mm -hmm. the two guys at the time, Greg Brewer and Steve Clifton, were on the front steps of the winery drinking, I I think it was Corona. Uh, I said, oh, y'all are drinking beer. And they said, it takes a lot of beer to make great wine. Uh, <laughs> uh, I like and, that. And even to this day, when I work, um, you know, uh, wine events in New York or San Francisco, we have a huge cooler of beer that mm-hmm. we're just all enjoying while we're opening $1,000 bottles of wine. Um, they go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. But I think definitely in terms of styles, for me, the magic between food and beverage is that they are complemented and not overwhelmed. I do enjoy high acid wines, but I don't love overly oaky wines. And I certainly don't love overly alcoholic wines. Mm. And Franklin and I really see eye to eye on that for beer. You know, we are not trying to make the hoppiest beer out there. We're not trying to make the highest alcohol beer out there. We're not trying to use the craziest ingredients in the free world. Uh, you know, we're trying to make beer that, that goes well with food. Mm. And mm-hmm. um, we serve these beers at our restaurant. And then again, you know, we have the little taco place in, in Rocky Mount. And I just think it's really important that there's balance because I want a beer that I can drink more than one of. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I need a t-shirt with that on it. That's yeah. a great, yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> that's a perfect slogan. Yeah. <laughs> Ines, did, how much of the of the brewery, as well as the restaurant, as well as the satellite brewery, how much information do you include in that in that realm into your book? 
Um, Almost Square has uh, a, a big part of it. Um, TBC, definitely, it's at the end, it's kind of like the culmination of, of how we've used that space and, and what that's looked like in the past uh, year and a half, certainly 2020 and the pandemic and, and, and what was happening in America and our country at the time. Mm-hmm. But, um, and TBC West, I, I mention it, there's, there's a lot on the brewery and on the square, much more so than, than TBC West, really. And do you always, like in the book itself, just to get a bit more context, do you always, how much do you relate back to 2001 when you advance forward um, into your book? Like, is, is it all sort of, does it always sort of beckon you back a little bit? Like, is that how you wrote it? Or there are some chapters that are just Inez talking about how, what things are like being an industrious entrepreneur in 2013 or 2014? Yeah, the latter. I do not just um, windows in New York are, are its own. You know, I don't. I don't try to go back and relate it in any mm-hmm. way. I mean, the question that I've been asked a lot this week is, if nine eleven hadn't happened, would I have stayed in New York? And the answer to that is most definitely, right? <laughs> I loved the city. I loved my job. I, I didn't want to leave. We'll never know for sure because we can't change events. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the life I lead now is so much different than Windows. And with the exception of loving the people I work with, like family, there's very little correlation. Do you ever have any, uh, with some of the survivors, do you have any uh, reunions with any of your friends? Um, so one of the gentlemen who worked for us, who, who died on 9-11, his girlfriend, who I had never met until his funeral, she has become one of my nearest and dearest friends. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, That's nice. Um, she came to our wedding. We went to her wedding. Um, we've, we had never met until his funeral and, um, she and her, you know, she, um, eventually met someone many years later and and married him and and they have a little boy and they just came to stay the summer. And (laughs) we, we FaceTimed on Monday night. She always, um, FaceTimes me the week of September 11th because, you know, they, they put up the lights of the twin towers. Mm-hmm. I said to her, you know, it feels different this year. I don't know why. And she said, it just does. She said, I feel it differently this year too. But she's really the only one. I mean, I haven't gotten on an airplane since March of 2020. Thanks to social media, I can keep up with my friend, you know, the people I mm-hmm. used to work with. Mm-hmm. It's It hasn't been where we've all gotten together. I know a group of them do get together every September 11th, but we haven't been up there for that. Hmm. Why, why do you think it's different this year? I don't know. I, I, I mean, part of me says, oh, it's just because of this book. You know, you've got this right. book. You've devoted a lot of time. Like I ever, I think it was August 1st. I did the, I've started a countdown to the book and I have hmm on my social media, all these old photographs of me at windows or with windows people. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's brought back a lot of memories, but also I think, is this the mark where we like start forgetting things? 
So the one, the things that you can still remember seem that much more special. That's part of this book too. I don't want to forget. And, and sometimes I feel like I'm forgetting. And as do you, do you, have you, do you go back to New York? Like you're not too far away. Do you, do you go back for, for vacation or, or just to, to see any old friends, anything like that? Yeah. So my husband is a diehard Yankees. Get, um, <laughs> there you go. Got to go to, got to go to the Bronx. Got to go do that. And his dad still lives on the New York, Pennsylvania border. Okay. But he doesn't love the city like I do. Ironic from, from New York, but my daughter adores it. And so mm-hmm. I, I, there's a wine event that alternates between New York and San Francisco that I'll go up and work. And, and I love that because I see all my wine community. Um, but my daughter, who is now a senior in high school, she is applying early decisioning to Columbia. And that's where okay. she wants to go. So mm-hmm. I, I have no idea if she'll get in or not. But um, it would be, I, I told her, I said, how great would this be? I could come up and visit you all the time. <laughs> but yeah, she'll get it, in. It, if I yeah. can get up, if I can get up there, I go and I always stay with Matthew, uh, my friend who I was just mentioning. Well, I think too, like just the, just the difference in lifestyles too. You seem to be interested in the big city life, but also pretty content with smaller, small town, North Carolina, like even like that adjustment, did that, did that bother you? Like, obviously not too much considering you're you're still in North Carolina, but it's a big shift to go from kind of the center of the universe, New York to, uh, to smaller middle, middle town America. Yeah. And I tried really hard at the beginning to run from that. I tried mm-hmm. to, to not stay in Tarboro by going to Atlantic city. And it just was not what the universe was going to let me do. I can't imagine having this life anywhere else. I don't think I could have two kids and three businesses in Manhattan. That would be a uh, challenge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I am. And, and, I, and also like being in the community that raised me is also a gift and mm-hmm. this small town, I haven't said it, but it's a, it's a poor town, high unemployment, mm-hmm. high poverty. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot of need here and we're able to do a lot of good where we can, you know, put resources back in this community. And uh, that just certainly at 45 years old for me, mm-hmm. where I've decided what I really believe to be of great importance, you know, the giving back is, is number one. What about yeah. for, um, you have this book written and coming out in the next few days. Have you written anything else? Is there anything else coming in the future? Because it seems like you, you you like to have some ideas and write them down. It seems to be part of your history. And you finally have something published regarding 9-11. But is there anything else that you're thinking of doing? Any any memoir style, documentary style, fictional, non-fictional yeah, so it's funny because um, I was just so glad to get this book published that uh, <laughs> I hadn't thought about it. But part of the the book towards the end are essays, and some of them are just like 
I think like belly laughing, funny stories. When my daughter read it, she goes, you didn't tell anywhere close to the number of funny stories that, you know, you have. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, maybe that's another book. (laughs) (laughs) So it was just interesting hearing her say that because I I thought I'd put in the the best funny stories, but she said, you've got a lot more funny stories to put in there. So maybe that's another time. Is it weird? I know talking to your, to your kids about this, like, like, can you, how do you relate this, your experience to, to your own kids or, or to the younger generation who really, who didn't grow up with this? I mean, we're, I think I was, I was 10. I think Garrett, you were the same age. So 10, mm-hmm. um, wow, when that happened, babies, when this happened, yeah, Nick, I think you're a bit older, but, <laughs> um, a bit older. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like what does, like when say your daughter reads this book, um, yeah. Do you think, how do you, how do you, how do you try to communicate the, the intensity about it? The, the profundity. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because we've definitely tried to walk a, a healthy line with not dismissing our relationship to nine 11, mm-hmm. but also not instilling fear around yeah. it, you know, and, and, uh, we've always talked openly about it, but not in the way, you know, my husband who will say to me privately, we're so lucky you weren't there. Mm-hmm. We never said that in front of the kids. Now, whether someone else has probably we we've made, we've been very intentional about that. They both have always been curious about it. And, and asked us questions, and, and we're always honest in our answers. Um, a couple years ago, we went back to the city, and we took them to the 9-11 memorial and the, and the museum, and it was really heavy for the four of us. At one point, I guess we'd been in there about an hour, both of my children said, we want to leave. Mm-hmm. And I think that was, it was scary. That was real close for them. And, and that is a powerful museum also. I mean, mm-hmm. it's very well done. And yeah. there have been tragic things that have happened in their lives. Mm-hmm. One thing recently is, is four children were killed in a car accident this past May. We lived through that as a family together. I mean, it was excruciatingly sad. Mm-hmm. The only thing that Stephen and I can give them is that we will get through it. It'll, it'll take time and it's not going to be easy but we're going to hold each other and get through it my my son went with me to see the dad of one of the children who's an old high school friend of mine Mm -hmm. the day it happened and he's a big you know burly firefighter and he was weeping in my arms and I just held him for about 10 minutes and my son just stood there. And when we walked out, he said, I don't know how you did that. Hmm. And I said, we just, we learned to do it. Once we experience pain, we can really feel it for others. It's part of how I continue to heal is by, you know, lifting others up who are in deep grief, deep grieving. You mentioned healing. 
I think probably it's fair to say that journaling for you is is a source of healing. But do you see this publication of actually putting these together into a book? Is it partially the the purpose behind it is is for healing, or is it for other purposes, perhaps? I think for yourself, it, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly like writing it was therapeutic mm-hmm. and healing for me. But the the hope for putting it out there is that it will be healing for others. That's what I would think, because there's probably many people still 20 years later are still moderately affected, even if it's either a a good personal connection or or not, because we've all we've all gone through it. We felt connected some way because it did affect the world and it was painful to experience because throughout that time, you're just bombarded by media day after day weeks afterward and there's there was something about it that hits you fairly deeply for people who might not have a direct connection just to be able to hear it from somebody who's who's been there who's lived that life within one of those towers has witnessed everything from survival and loss and to be able to to read your words i would think would have some comfort for for people connected and not connected to this so i think it's wonderful what you've done. Thank you. So Inez, where, where can we, where can we get the book? (laughs) Well, I'm encouraging people to, to ask their independent bookstores to carry it. It is on big sites that I would rather not name, but as a small business owner, Mm -hmm. I really would love for people to go to their independent bookstores and ask them to carry it. Or y'all can just fly down to Tarboro tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know if we. Jet. I don't know if we're allowed in yet. Yeah, it's a that's I, a I border think, crossing for us. So. I think. Yeah, I let, think, me, let me tell you something. You do not want to come down here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely wow. horrible. We call it COVID crockpot. <laughs> It's oh, man. absolutely insane. Well, we de- um, I definitely want to visit Tarboro eventually, though. It sounds one of these days. Mm-hmm. It sounds yeah. it sounds uh, enchanting. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm very biased, but yes, I love it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> have I'm you ever uh, just out of curiosity? Have you ever made it across the border this side? Oh yes, we have several times. Um, mm. You know, one of my wine trips back. It actually was August of two thousand and one. Mm. Uh, a Canadian sommelier got the um, Niagara Wine Commission to fly about 20 of us over to the Niagara Peninsula. And we did a bunch of winery tours. Mm. And then um, my fam- my husband and I took the kids to Montreal and then to um, ski at Mont, Mont- uh, not Mont Blanc. Um, Mont Tremblant? Mont Tremblant. Yes. Oh, just like like right around the corner for me. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Like lives on the mountain. Colder in my whole life. <laughs> it was the coldest I've ever been in my whole life. Yeah. Welcome to Canada. <laughs> yeah, a little bit colder than Tar- Tarboro, North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. it's pretty beautiful, beautiful, and my, and my parents swear that the best place they've ever visited is Ontario. So mm. Mm, um, that's nice to hear. Yeah. I like North Carolina. You're not too far from Raleigh. Is that right? That you're closer to Raleigh than Charlotte. An hour due east of Raleigh. Very, very easy. Yeah. Well, I know Garrett and I, and Nick probably too, we, we, 
craft beer seems to be just thriving in the state. Like you mentioned, it went up threefold. I'm sure I, I would love to know how many craft breweries mm-hmm. are in, are in the state, probably an astronomical I think amount. It's closer to like 300 now. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Eh? Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah. We gotta... think, but, you know, we would love to host y'all. So just say the word whenever you want to come. And as we're well, coming, I guess we're, we're, to, we're coming. Uh, <laughs> No, absolutely. No, we definitely, we definitely will plan a trip. Absolutely. Nice to uh, how many there are now in North the winter. Mm-hmm. Thank y'all for, for, for having me tonight. It's just been such a, a pleasure, like listening, you know, y'all just asked really good questions and <laughs> make me feel very comfortable. I really appreciate it. And as you, having yeah, yeah, this it was, was so an absolute pleasure. It's, it's, uh, super educational for us so very really appreciate that you've you felt and I, felt i'll let you me. know i have your emails i think but um mm-hmm. i'm gonna release hopefully by christmas the book on audible oh yeah so, um, okay awesome anyway, we're, we're gonna have that too but right now it's just uh print and ebook yeah absolutely well let us know if you want us to share any stuff on our social media we'd be more than happy to do that as well well i know yeah I guess on behalf of the three of us, thank you so much. It's been a, an enriching conversation and we look forward to, to reading the book or at maybe being lazy and listening to the audio version. <laughs> if you need somebody to, if you need somebody to read it aloud for the audible, uh-huh. my voice is available. <laughs> if you want that Canadian accent. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the Canadian do. version. Yeah. Canadian version. Yeah. Canadian English. <laughs> That's right. Y'all, thank you, thank you, thank you a million times and enjoy this beautiful weekend. Inez, you as well. well. Thank Thank you so much. Thank you, Inez. Bye-bye. Appreciate it so much. Thank you, bye. I just want to thank everyone for listening to this rather special episode of the Beer Got Me Here podcast. And thanks to Andy and Garrett from Rolling Hops for taking the time out of their day to join me on this episode to chat with Inez. Now, normally I do my standard call to action outro like I do on each episode ending, but today I want to dedicate this episode to Inez Ribostello. Thank you, Inez, for your touching story. Uh, We do appreciate you being on the podcast, taking the time out of your day as well to tell us your story. And as well, I'd like to further dedicate this episode to the families who have lost loved ones on September 11th, the many emergency workers who risked their lives that day, and to the many who have been taken from our world that day. We will always remember 